Hi, welcome to Witch Witch is Witch, a pop culture podcast about ladies who use magic. I'm Regina. And I'm Derek. And let's not forego things any longer. Regina, why don't you tell me about the witch that you want to talk about today? I want to tell you about Marie Laveau, also known as the voodoo queen of New Orleans. It rhymes. It totally does. It rhymes. One of the most powerful magical ladies of all time and subject of fact, fiction, myth, and legend. Marie Laveau was born a free black woman in the French Quarter of New Orleans in 1801. There are conflicting reports of the time and circumstances of her death, and some speculate she passed on the mantle of voodoo queen to her daughter of the same name, while others maintain the original voodoo queen was still seen walking through the town after she had died. Her gravesite is known as one of the most haunted places on earth. Many of her followers believe she still practices magic from beyond the grave. While she was alive, she practiced root work, sold charms and greegree, and told fortunes to people of all walks of life in New Orleans at that time. She was also a hairdresser to many, mostly white, clients who viewed her as a kind of confidant. Some say her ability to tell fortune comes from the fact that she had a wide network of informants from her hairdressing clientele. Marie still appears in popular fiction today, such as in American Horror Story Coven, Neil Gaiman's American Gods, and other stories and songs. And this is something that you and I discussed earlier in the week, is that Coven really is the best season of American Horror Story. Yes, Coven is the best season of American Horror Story. I have seen a couple of the others. This one is definitely the best. That was the point where it really leaned into the whole sort of typical Ryan Murphy tongue-in-cheek tone, which uh, I think informed his next show, Scream Queens, which was delightful, and nobody but me and my wife watched it. Well, and soon to be me. I'm going to check it out. I'm very excited because I like screaming and queens. And of course, Neil Gaiman, always, always fun to revisit his works. But let's move on to the five rules of witchiness. Rule number one is that the witch in question is female. Can you tell me, is Marie Laveau female? Does she identify as female? Yeah, so Marie Laveau did in fact identify as female and fully embraced her role as voodoo queen and matriarch to root work practices in the African-American diaspora of New Orleans. She was also mother to at least seven, but possibly up to 15 children. Her social standing in the community is highly impressive given the social political climate of the early 1800s and the fact that she was a successful black woman practicing what was considered a very taboo magical religion. It's important when considering Marie Laveau to talk about race, which I'll touch on more later when we talk about feminism. Yeah, the part that stood out to me the most there was at least seven and up to 15 children. That, I mean... That's a lot of babies. That's a, a lot of babies. And initially, it seems uh, daunting and painful, and um, I'm scared for uh, a variety of reasons. Ooh. Let's just... I'm going to change topics. I'm going to stop thinking about the bad, bad pain... I'm going to ask about the second rule of witchiness, which is that the witch in question practiced magic. Can you tell me a little bit about Marie Laveau and how she practiced magic, if at all? Yeah, so Marie Laveau is one of the most famous historical figures in the history of magical practice. This is very exciting to do a nonfiction, nonfiction witch. She's specifically associated with voodoo and root work and definitely practiced both of those as part of her religious experience and as a way to make money and gain standing in her community. It's said that she learned voodoo from another famous figure, Dr. John, who is another subject of both fact, myth, and legend. The magic she practiced was a combination of traditional Afro-religion, folk practices, and Catholicism. The practice uses 
herbs, poisons, and ritual creation of amulets and grigri, and has a heavy emphasis on ritualizing and ancestor worship. It would take several podcasts to scratch the surface of voodoo practices, so I'm just going to say, yes, she totally practiced magic. Now, I know Dr. John of New Orleans. (laughs) Uh, I've seen him perform music many times at the Philadelphia Folk Festival. Did not know that he was a practicing magic user who was over 200, no, over 300 years old. Over 300 years old. So, I learned something today. So, I mean... Probably not the same Dr. John, but it is uh, possible, maybe, that these these folks have a lot of myth surrounding whether or not they actually die when they, it's said that they did. So maybe it is. Yeah, so you said that Marie Laveau passed on the mantle of Voodoo Correct. Queen to her next mm-hmm. in line. So also Marie Laveau. Is it possible that Dr. John is a title that has been passed down through the ages of New Orleans bluesmen? Uh, yes, definitely. It is. But also, it is just one of those, like, common, cool names that I think a lot of people try to adopt. Stop pretending doctors are cool. I've watched ER. Doctors are not cool. All right. Third rule (laughs) of witchiness is that the witch in question practice feminism. Can you tell me whether Marie Laveau was a feminist? Yeah. So, I mean, I believe Marie Laveau was probably a feminist. But it's a little hard to examine a historical figure's personal feminism, given the time period, lack of reliable sources, and her personal feminist beliefs, and so on. That said, I think it's important to examine how Marie Laveau's life can be viewed under a feminist lens, and why she remains a popular figure in which history and myth today. To get into that, we have to take a brief look at race relations in New Orleans in the early 1800s. Marie was born a free black woman and was of mixed black, French, and Native American, specifically Choctaw in Indian descent. At the time in New Orleans, there was much scrutiny on a person's racial background and an extreme distrust of people of mixed descent for quote-unquote hiding their blackness or impurity of blood. Don't at me, Draco Malfoy. The divisions between Creoles of black or mixed ancestry blacks and the white French settlers that were extreme and antagonistic. This is important to note because Marie became a respected and in some cases feared member of society despite and because of her identity as a black woman. Over 300 years later, we are still hard-pressed to give black women the space and respect they deserve as human beings, which is part of the reason why I believe Marie still holds tremendous power as a figure in witch history and as someone to look at as a feminist character. Being able to overcome the toxic racial politics of her day to be as famous and successful as she was is magical on it, all on its own. Yeah, there are not a lot of women from that time period that we still talk about nowadays who weren't world leaders of some right. I mean, there, there are some, but the number is minimal in comparison to their peers because of the way records were kept. It's true. It's that. I mean, black women specifically, although that might also be a part of um, institutionalized racism and the fact that we don't have in our standard education and our history books the stories of these people. But if you want to look at women in the 1800s who were badass, I mean, we could talk about Marie Curie on another (laughs) podcast as a witch from the 1800s. I 100% guarantee there were people who called her a witch. Definitely they did. (laughs) I will bookmark that for a future nonfiction witch podcast, Marie Curie. So fourth rule of witchiness 
is that the women in question come from a place of persecution or misunderstanding. Can you tell me how Marie Laveau was persecuted? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that she was both respected and feared. She was definitely persecuted and misunderstood by some of her white contemporaries who hated and feared her for being what she was, a black woman practicing a form of Afro-folk religion and gaining power, money, and respect for that. Many whites at the time feared the retaliation of the oppressed blacks through voodoo curses specifically. A local newspaper reported on her as, quote, the notorious hag who reigns over the ignorant and superstitious as the queen of the voodoos, unquote. And to this day, we continue to see the worries of white people who fear the retaliation of the oppressed blacks. Just open your local newspaper and read about current events. Moving on to lighter notes. I thought you were going to talk about Black Panther, Colonizer. It's a great movie. Fifth rule of witchiness is that the witch in question be bonded to a sentience greater than themselves. Can you tell me, was Marie Laveau bonded to a sentience? So there are many, many unsubstantiated claims that Marie had a pet snake named Zombie after an African god. It's possible. I don't know. But traditionally, the voodoo religion relies on ancestor worship. So I can firmly say yes, she was bonded to the sentiences of her ancestors. Very nice. Yeah. And like you said at the beginning, there there are very few like real life witches that have shown up this much in pop culture. Yes. Something about the story of Marie Laveau has, has maintained and continues to intrigue writers today. Yes. Which is why she keeps coming back up. That or the curse. We don't talk about the curse. We don't talk about the curse. So instead of talking about the curse, do you want to talk about the witch that you're going to talk about today? Uh, sure. Yeah. The witch that I'm going to talk about today is Nico Minoru from Marvel Comics Runaways. So Nico Minoru is a member of the Marvel Comics superhero team, Runaways, a group of teenage, well, runaways, with superpowers intent on living their life their own way and taking down the corrupt evil adults. Read all adults. She goes by the superhero codename Sister Grimm, except for when she doesn't because she was a 16-year-old goth girl in California and didn't really spend much time thinking about that name. She has fought gods, supervillains, Avengers, X-Men, fellow teen superheroes, and the only things that she's lost along the way are her family, her boyfriend, and her arm. Don't worry, her arm got better, and kind of the boyfriend too. Anyway, uh, she has been a fairly consistent presence in the Marvel Comics universe over the past 15 years, and was portrayed by Lyrica Okano in the recent Runaways TV series on Hulu. See, I want Hulu just so I can watch Runaways. Get Hulu! There are so many things to watch on the Hulu. This is not a paid advertisement, I just watch a lot of Hulu. Today episode is sponsored don't by Hulu. Don't even. Don't. That's, that's not true. Because if you say that. True, unless you want to pay us. Yeah, that's not a thing. I would happily take a that's free Hulu a subscription, thing. but I've been paying for years because I just watch a lot of TV. TV. Mm-hmm. It's bad for the brain and I love it. <laughs> Let's talk about the rules of witchiness because I don't have anything else to say about television or non-existent sponsors. Because it has broken our brains so much, we can't think of another thing to say. It's true. The first rule of witchiness is that the witch in question identifies female. Does Nico identify as female? Nico Minoru is totally a lady. I can say this with 100% certainty because Nico was a member of the short-lived all-female team of Avengers known as A-Force. Yeah. A-Force was originally founded in an alternate reality where Doctor Doom was God and mashed all the different Marvel Comics realities into one big mashup world. And A-Force were the defenders of an all-female paradise island of Arcadia. When Doom was taken out and the Marvel Universe 
members went back to normal, they realized, hey, that A-Force was a pretty good idea. So the main members of the team got back together to fight evil and generally support one another as badass sisters in arms. Nico was very much the wild card of the group, but she definitely held her own alongside heavy hitters including Captain Marvel, She-Hulk, the Inhuman Queen Medusa, and the X-Men's resident pop star Dazzler. So... It would take a lot of explaining to go through the mental gymnastics that just happened in my brain. But do you think Nico Minoru could be considered a magical girl? And if so, why haven't we talked about magical girls yet? When you say magical girl, do you mean like Sailor Moon? Yes. Is that what we're talking about here? Yes. I'm doing the, you can't see because that's not She how is this- striking the pose and an actual rainbow is taking <laughs> over her physical form. Yes, we really should do a video version of the podcast. People wouldn't believe the things that happen. But yes, magical girls. Um, I don't know if she would qualify as a magical girl because- she doesn't, like, transform into a different uniform. She just kind of fights in her street clothes. Part of the whole ethos of Runaways was, like, we are not superheroes and we don't play by the same rules as them, mm. despite the fact that they gave themselves really dumb code names, which they never used again. Right. But in terms of, like, discussing actual magical girls, that's a great idea. I'm 100% down to talk about the Sailor Scouts. Yeah, definitely. I'm, like, I'm, I'm a little distracted because I'm trying to find the definition of, like, what what is it that makes a magical girl? Like, what is that? what are the parameters of this genre? And I'm not coming up with anything. For some reason, my brain can't go past Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura. I'm sure there are more. My brain is just not going there right now. I've been watching so much Darling in the Franks lately right. that it's like it's all my anime brain can handle. My point is, she sounds magical. She's a lady and, and she's magical. So by that definition, she's a magical girl. Magical girl. Also, you got to talk about Dr. Doom, who's honestly the best. And by best, I mean worst. So speaking of magic, can you tell me how Nico enforces our second rule of witchiness, practicing magic? I just got to interject real quick and point out how surprised I am that I actually directly referenced the X-Men and we didn't do a tangent. Listen, I was trying really hard. No, I applaud your efforts. to keep it together. Oh, good job. We did it. Thanks. Uh, I Thanks. ruined it, clearly. Yeah, well. To answer your question, uh, Nico performs incantations by using the staff of one. She stole it from her mom, who is also a powerful witch, and depending on which version of history you follow, uh, her mom studied alongside Doctor Strange. Basically, she shouts out a command and the thing happens, but the way she uses the staff, because she hasn't really studied and is just kind of falling into it ass-backwards means that she can't use the exact same spell more than once. She kind of just like reads the dictionary and the thesaurus to find new ways to say the same thing. Also, using the Staff of One is technically blood magic because the staff is absorbed into Nico's body when she's done using it, and in order to summon it again, she needs to shed her own blood. They even make a joke about how it's easier for her to summon the staff when it's that time of the month. This is the most delightful rules of magic I've heard about in a while. I really like this. They keep it like deliberately vague just so they can have fun with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. It kind of reminds me of um, another witch that you covered, uh, Zatanna, mm-hmm. and her backwards incantations. Zatanna's backward incantations were so much fun when you read them in the comic. And then when you watch her, like, in cartoons, you're like, wait a minute, what? And, like, you pause the show, write down phonetically what she said, and then you try to read it backwards to figure out what 
she actually said. It's weird. I love it. That's confusing. But yeah, like it, it winds up like if Nico shouts out the word freeze, then everybody in a particular radius will get like covered in ice and freeze. But then she can't say that again. So the next time she'll be like, chill out. And <laughs> a similar thing will happen. But now she can't use chill out again. Mm. So she just finds herself like at one point, I think she actually like learned some of her most popular phrases in latin so that she could say them in a foreign language and it would still work see that's where i was gonna go with it i was going to ask if it's specifically the syllables in a particular language because she could learn a bunch of different languages it's just giving a command that's all it is but because either it's the way the magic works or she's just unlearned in it because she has never bothered to do the research to figure out what type of magic this is she just stole it from her mom and then ran away. All she knows is she can't use the same one twice. See, this is why you gotta listen to your mom when she's like, this is how you use this magical artifact. That is actually something they do a little differently in the TV show in that like the kids don't run away immediately. Like they discover the bad stuff and then they still hang around for a bit, which bothered a lot of viewers. But there is a point where like Nico and her mom kind of like have a conversation about using the staff. And I was like, this is kind of nice, I guess. But we all know she's evil, right? Like we all know that. Right. Evil. I don't have a good transition <laughs> for this. So tell me the. <laughs> tell me. About the third rule of witchiness, tell me about how Nico is or is not a feminist. Uh, So Nico is definitely a practicing feminist from probably the most feminist team in Marvel Comics history, Runaways. When the team first got together, they were a bit green and all over the place and kind of just blindly followed the lead of Alex Wilder, who, spoiler alert, was sort of a bad dude. Once Alex was out of the picture, Nico stepped up to the leadership role and served as a constant inspiration to the rest of the kids to never put themselves in a position where their trust can be betrayed again. The team's resident getaway driver, Chase, repeatedly references the low percentage of Y chromosomes on the team, but even when Chase and Nico are trapped in a Hunger Games-style murder trap, he never once doubts Nico because he knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that she is going to take care of business. Way to go, Nico. And it sounds like from Hunger Games-style murder trap that she's probably persecuted and misunderstood the fourth rule of witchiness. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I would also posit the name of her original team suggests that because the runaways are on the run. Their parents are part of a cult of evil superhumans secretly controlling the West Coast underworld, and the general public and other superheroes tend to think that Nico, along with her teammates, are either also evil like their parents or just misguided bunch of minors who need to be lectured and grounded and put into foster care. And as you mentioned, there was that time she was trapped in a murder game show for weeks, and the footage was uploaded onto the internet as a reality show, and people around the world saw the surviving kids as sort of of murder celebrities. Nico was not wild about that. Now, was this um was this Murder World? Was this uh what's his butt from who also appears in the X-Men a lot? Uh, arcade? Arcade? Yes. You better believe it was Arcade if it has the word murder in front and then a hyphen and another word to describe the thing they're in. You better believe that's Arcade. <laughs> yeah, this was a really great book from a few years ago called Avengers Arena, where Arcade kidnapped, I think, 16 teenage superheroes. Um, some of them were from like the X-Men Academy. Some of them were from like the Avengers Academy. Some of them were the Runaways. Some of them were from the like British equivalent of the Avengers Academy. Right. And the premise of the book was these kids will die 
And people were like, you can't kill them off. They're some of my favorite heroes. And sure enough, in the first issue, like a fan favorite character gets exploded and never comes back. Mm. Uh, so the stakes were high. And when people realized that like fan favorite characters like Nico and Chase from Runaways were in this book where they were just silly willy just killing kids off, people got very concerned. I think it was a great story. I think it had excellent pathos. I think there was a lot of solid character development. I love Avengers Arena and I, I miss several of the characters that were killed off. Justin Seyfert, who had a, uh, a giant sentinel robot that listened to his every word, was a, was a favorite of mine. And he bit it hard in Avengers Arena. I miss him. This might... This sounds, too, because I haven't read this one, this sounds like a moment when Arcade was actually uh, effective. Yeah. Because normally Arcade is really good at building elaborate murder traps and murder games and other things, murder hyphen but is not very good at actually murdering anyone, except in this case, it seems. Well, I mean, there is the unfortunate handicap of like, well, he killed kids this time instead of grown adult superheroes. But also the the, the gimmick was he was forcing them to kill each other. Mm, so they were better at killing than yeah, he was it, at. it was sort of a, it was very much styled after Hunger Games, Battle Royale, Lord of the Flies, that type of mm-hmm. thing. All that I think even thing. the first three Got issues it. of the comic had covers that referenced Battle Royale, Hunger games and lord of the flies mm-hmm. it was definitely one of the rare occasions where at the end arcade technically won even though the kids of course like got out and saved the day and whatever he still had all this footage from the cameras of them doing these horrible things and he just uploaded it on the internet and everybody saw it and all of a sudden these heroes weren't as like clean as they once were and that was his sort of victory. Interesting. Like all the other supervillains were suddenly like, hey, Arcade actually pulled it off. Maybe I should use him next time I need to murder. Yeah. Like this was an elaborate resume booster for him. Yeah, because Arcade is kind of a supervillain for hire. He's freelance. He's, if he's you will. 100% a mercenary, yes. but he's a showboating mercenary. Right. It's extremely expensive and it hardly it ever works. Doesn't. Who funds this guy? But anyway, this is not. This is not a podcast talking about Arcade, although we could devote an entire podcast just talking about Arcade and his elaborate murder hyphen things that he does. Let's move on. Yeah, let's let's move on from Arcade and that and talk about the fifth and final rule of witchiness is Nico bonded to a sentience larger than herself. So uh, Nico's parents served a group of ancient gods known as the Gibberim or Giborum, however you pronounce that. I think in the TV show it was Giborum. Uh, but Nico openly rejected them right to their faces like a boss. That said, she is definitely bonded with the Staff of One, which she does not understand as a magical force, but sometimes seems to have a mind of its own and potentially be sentient. At the start of her superhero career, the Staff of One basically lived inside of her body and she would pull it out to cast spells. Later on, when her arm gets ripped off, fighting for her life in a freaking murder world the staff of one basically turns into her arm complete with badass gauntlet so that thing is literally a part of her wow that's delightful and it also reminds me of another witch i will talk about eventually well another series of witches from 
Witchblade. Oh, yes. Talking about witches with hands and gauntlet things that are sentient. Nico's gauntlet post-Avengers Arena had a very Witchblade vibe to it, definitely. Radical. So now we've talked about our two witches today, and I'm going to ask you, Derek, which of these witches would you invite into your coven? I want to know so much more about Marie Laveau because I admit I've only I've only heard stories of her in passing, and I've I've seen representations of her in pop culture, like in American Gods, mm-hmm. but I don't know enough about her. And she sounds like she was an extremely influential and important part of the community. So I feel like she would have a lot to offer. I feel like she would probably help mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. So I would probably send the invitation first and foremost to Marie. I'd also point out like doing magic with Nico wouldn't be an especially learning experience because she can do whatever spell she wants once One time. and then never again. Like she has never bothered to learn how to fix that. So I don't think she's much of a team player in terms of us improving our magic. Mm-mm. Doesn't sound like it. How about you? Who would you have in your coven? Well, I would almost certainly Pick Marie Laveau, she would have me because Voodoo Queen of New Orleans. Come on. That's quite a title. It's quite a title. And she also appears in one of my absolute favorite romance novel series. I don't know if we've talked about this much, but I am a big romance reader. And there's a series by Janine Frost called Night Huntress, in which Marie Laveau appears as a character who is delightful and scary and super magical and fantastic. And I would take Marie Laveau from that series. I would take Marie Laveau from a fact from her historical accurate counterpart who may or may not still be alive practicing magic from beyond the grave because she's just awesome. She's the coolest. Or maybe she's a blues musician these days. Who knows? I I don't know. Um, But yeah, Nico sounds like she kind of fell into her magic a little bit and doesn't seem to be a a get up and go uh, learn a new thing kind of person. And that just wouldn't drive with my personality and my whole coven philosophy. Yeah, both of them are lovely people who I would definitely hang out with, but I don't see myself learning from Nico as much. Do I want her to have my back in a fight? Sure. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about like a strictly academic endeavor. And by strictly academic, I mean, who brought the popcorn? Because we need those snacks. Mm -hmm. She does not have a job. She is a runaway. So how is she getting (laughs) those snacks? Whereas Marie Laveau, she can fund you some snacks because she's making some dollar bills. Yeah, you know the kids in New Orleans are lining up around the block for that. <gasps> she can bring me beignets. Oh god, yes, beignets. Some some peach cobbler. You know where else we could get beignets and peach cobbler? Tell me, where can we get some beignets and peach cobbler? At the Cauldron Cabaret. We just got a fresh box of powdered sugar in, so we're ready for those beignets. Let's get it done. Ileana set up the deep fryer in the back, yes. and we are ready to make some fun little donuts. Let's make it happen. We're brewing the Café du Monde, my favorite chicory coffee that I think only I like because no one else I personally know wants to drink chicory coffee with me. You're all about that chicory. I am. So who do you see Marie hanging out with in the cauldron? What's her table? 
Well, I think she would she would spot Storm right off the bat and be like, you are the only, uh, is she the only other black woman in the cabaret at this point? One of the women in the craft. That's true. I'm just saying that there's a severe lack of diversity in this cabaret, and I feel like she would she would be like, let's talk about this. Let's maybe do something about this. I mean, I know we've got Alejandra, the ghost writer, holding down the Latinx corner, but I think she's also possibly by mm-hmm. herself in that mm-hmm. pursuit. And a skeleton on fire, right? She is also a skeleton on fire, which... I mean, that group is sorely underrepresented. <laughs> right. Yeah. Once again, there's just there's, the one. There's just, there is one. So, yeah. So, I think she, she would probably start there, but she's got, you know, she's a matriarch. She's a voodoo queen of New Orleans. I feel like she would probably get along with our more um, regal matriarchal characters like General Leia Organa. See, the first one I thought of, I thought Marie would 100% sit down with Maleficent. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. They seem like they would have a lot to discuss. They would have a lovely sort of revered cackle together. Perhaps, yeah. The kind where you just sit back and you go, ha, 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 that that kind uh, of cackle. I don't know. I see Marie as, despite being like matriarch and voodoo queen and all that, I see her being kind of down to earth, you know? Like she worked as a hairdresser for a long time. I feel like she's one of those that can like kind of move into and out of the different social strata, if you will. What about Nico? Who's Nico going to hang out with? So the easy answer is put her with the kids, but she's like 18 now in the comics. So Mm -hmm. she's like, I'm kind of done with that. Mm -hmm. Instantly, she will see Ilyana and be like, yes, you understand my plight. You understand my problems. You've got weird family history. You've been on the run. You've traveled through time and space. Let's let's have a powwow here. Mm -hmm. See, who are the ones who were romantically involved with someone who turned out to be pure evil? Because I feel like there's a support group for that that we're missing out on. Mm. Like we had the support group of like my best friend or my brother was the chosen one but he was an idiot Mm -hmm. so maybe zatanna in that one like i know zatanna was mostly romantically linked with batman but like she's had some problems in her day too she had a long flirtation with john constantine and he is not a good guy Mm -mm. there's a lot of parallels between john constantine and alex wilder from runaways so i would say nico and zatanna would have there is a bechdel test problem there though because they're just going to complain about their boys I don't like this. I mean, I'm sure they'll find other things to talk about, but the fact that that is how I'm putting them together shows that I have a problem. (laughs) It's good to be able to identify these things in ourselves. For some reason, I'm thinking about Nico hanging out with Kim and Kim. I feel like Nico with her punk rock roots and her eyeliner and her, we can't do magic unless we go to Hot Topic first. Yeah. I feel like that whole ethos definitely is perfect. Yeah, they're definitely buds. They're definitely looking at Adora Batbrat makeup tutorials mm-hmm. on YouTube. They're into it. There's so much eyeliner. And I'm sure that like they can discuss how best to incorporate the cure lyrics into your fighting evil. Mm-hmm. By moonlight. If only tonight we could sleep. Do you think that they could win love by daylight i'm sorry i know you're in the cure place but i'm in the you're doing sailor sailor moon Moon i get it i'm sorry okay next episode we're just going to talk about sailor moon the whole time let's do it i'm down wait we actually did a sailor moon episode i talked about queen barrel yeah you talked about queen barrel but we didn't talk about any of the sailor scouts okay next episode we we each choose our favorite sailor scout 
I know which one I know. I've chosen. You know which one I'm choosing. I do. We've had this discussion many times. We have. I mean, I can take a guess at who you're choosing. I'm, I might be wrong. I don't know who I'm choosing, so it'll be a mystery. Stay tuned. Well, then I don't want to plant the idea and have you just be a contrarian Stay and say tuned, no. listeners. All right. I think that just about wraps things up for this episode of Which, Which is Which. Now that you've heard what we have to say, what do you think? Who would you invite into your coven? Let us know at whichwitchcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at whichwitchcast. That's W-H-I-C-H-W-I-T-C-H-C-A-S-T. Don't anger the Elder Gods. Subscribe to Which, Which is Which on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever your pods may be cast. Until then, remember, you remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Who do? You do. Do what? Remind me of the babe. <laughs>